Tonight we're going to talk about how God is our provider. Who can say confidently that God is your provider? We're going to do a little activity. So I want everybody to take a second. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. And I want you to think of two or three times where God has blessed you. And I would assume for most of us that comes up pretty quickly. Now, I want you to take a second and I want you to think of two or three times where you feel that God has abandoned you. This is not as fun to think about. Now I want you to think through what happened after that point and did God provide in his time in ways that maybe we didn't see. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You guys can go ahead and bring your heads up. So we're going to talk about how God is our provider tonight. There's a lot of different ways God provides for us. We're going to unpack a couple of them. But God brought me to Genesis chapter 22, which is the story of Abraham and his son Isaac when God instructed him to take Isaac and sacrifice him. Now, how many of us know by show of hands that God has many names in the Bible? Anybody know about that? That's most of us, right? Why does God have many names in the Bible? It shows his attributes, right? It shows who he is. And God has so many divine attributes. He has so many things that make him amazing, that make him perfect, that make us feel so weak, but yet so loved and taken care of. He has so many different attributes. Today we're going to go through God's name, which is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is God as our provider. And we know, for those of us who have walked with the Lord, that God provides for us. Let's start by reading in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> now, it came <laughs> now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split wood for the burnt offering, set out, and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. 
Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out with his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not reach out your hand against the boy and do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide, as it is to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Or, as in verse 14 says in the King James, and Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the Mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. I'm going to unpack a couple different pieces of this, but I want to first focus on this last piece in the King James, where it says, in the Mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So when God provides for us, we often don't see his provision in that exact moment when we want it or expect it. And I want you to hold on to that through the course of the message tonight. It is as it will be seen. That gap is faith. That gap is trust in God. That gap is reliance on him who loves us. To do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And often that is such a tough spot for us to be in. Because we want it now. But here we see such an amazing example of obedience, of faith, of love, of dedication, of sacrifice. Abraham says, God... You gave me a son. And for those of you who know the story of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac late in life. In fact, when Sarah heard that she was going to have Isaac, she laughed, which is why his name is Isaac, which means laughter. She's like, I'm old. Ain't going to happen, buddy. That's not how this works. But yet God provided. Abraham had a promise given to him by God where God says, hey, I'm going to make my people great through your line. Abraham's like, tick-tock, God, I don't know what's going on. It finally happens. And now we fast forward, and God's like, hey, your promise, your inheritance, your offspring, you're going to sacrifice and give them to me. Now, as a parent, being real with you, I don't know that I could handle that, that request from God. I like to think that I could follow him all the way to that point, but just the thought of the impact, for those of you who have children, of God saying, hey, sacrifice your one and only son and trust me through the process. Let that just sink for a minute. Abraham must have sat back and said, God, I don't understand any of this. But he was obedient, past logic. How many of us, when we go through the different trials and struggles of life, are obedient past logic? Or do we let our brains get in the way? God's provision comes when God's provision will come, which is when God is ready for his provision to come, which is in the final moments. And I can almost see Abraham holding that knife up and shaking. And God's like, hold on. I have something for you. Jehovah Jireh, the attribute of our God, is our provider. But we need to not confuse provision 
with prosperity. And that's where we're going to head next here. Let's start by defining and comparing those two. So prosperity, the American dream, which these days seems more like an American nightmare, right? Economy's in the dumper, gas is going up again, interest rates are bad, inflation's bad. We're all working more, making less. It's going not as far. The stress for most of us is the American population builds by the day, right? And if you sit here and you're like, no, 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 I don't believe you because at the very least you watch the news. Even if you believe God will take care of it, there's still a certain amount of stress. Our entire Western culture is obsessed with wealth. It's obsessed with status. It's obsessed with style. It's obsessed with all the garbage that we don't need to impress the people that we pretty much hate anyway. Right? So we want these things. We feel bad if we don't have them. But the people that we want to see us have the stuff, we, they don't, first of all, they don't even see us because they're worried about their own stuff. Right? But we sit here and we're obsessed with wealth as a culture. Our culture has lazy, entitled people who demand from others what they won't do for themselves. (laughs) We probably know them. (laughs) Too many of them, perhaps. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through trials. We don't want to work hard. We want everything for nothing and complain we don't have what others have. How do you think that makes God feel? And by the way, this is as much for me as it is for anybody else, right? Because we focus on the wrong stuff. Imagine the American church under legitimate persecution. Imagine if it became illegal, like it is in many parts of the world, to do what we're doing right now. How many people that go to church on Sunday morning would stop going to church? How many people would hide? A lot. Because we want the status of going to church without actually going through the trials and tribulation. Christ says, pick up the cross and follow me. It's a cross. It's not a Maserati. Right? We're lazy, we're entitled as a culture. None of us in this room, of course, but the culture. Webster's, which is apparently still a thing, defines prosperity as the condition of being successful or thriving, especially economic well-being. Who knows about the prosperity gospel? That doozy ransacked the church for several decades. I remember growing up and seeing televangelists say, if you'll send a check of $1,000, God will bless you to the point where you'll see your wealth grow and build. And so many people wrote checks. Right? But why is the prosperity gospel so damaging? Because if I'm not wealthy, I must have failed God. If I'm not wealthy, God must have failed me. In the meantime, those who disgraced the pulpit and the altar to say that to people to lead them astray to make themselves rich just got wealthier. And yet there's so many who have nothing who go out and they share the gospel constantly. Their focus is on the reward in heaven, not the reward for the right now. But our culture doesn't see it that way. And the American church has gotten weak and we've gotten lazy and we've gotten fat and happy and we've sat back and said, 
well, I need a big fat bank account and I need the biggest house and the newest this and the iPhone 47, which does the same thing as the iPhone 4. <laughs> but we've lost sight of what God's provision is. We're inundated with this desire though. And it takes root in our hearts and we have to be so on guard to make sure that it doesn't affect our actual joy. Pastor Mike on Sunday was talking about being not okay, right? For those of you who are okay, not okay, a lot of okays, or a whole bunch of okays. <laughs> and how we're captive to things. How many of us are not okay because our bank account doesn't look like we want it to be? How many of us are not okay because our car isn't running the way we want it to be. <laughs> How many of us let our material possessions rob us of joy? Pastor Rick's been talking through the fruit of the Spirit, and he got through joy, and he said that joy is not to be confused with happiness. Joy is being in peace and trusting God in the middle of a storm. So when the bank account looks bad and the 401k is a 20.5, we should still have the joy of the Lord because he is our source and our provider. It doesn't matter. God doesn't promise us retirement, guys. He doesn't even promise us tomorrow. He certainly doesn't promise us 20 years from now, 30 years, 40, depending on, you know, me. it's like going to be like 50 years by the time I'm allowed to retire. Right? What happens if God truly gives us what we want? You ever think about that? What if God gave you every little thing that you wanted? Not what you needed, what you wanted. Are you ready to give it all away? How many of us have said, if God gave me a lot of cash, I would help a whole lot of people, and then all he did was buy a new car? Right? Or he gives us that better job that's a little bit better paying and we're like now I can tithe double the amount and I can give extra offering we will still do offering at the end by the way just in case you're wondering but <laughs> just throwing that out there um but if if we had all this extra we would do so much more with it and what do we do we have a bigger house we have bigger bills second corinthians 9 8 to 10 and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God is going to bless me. Why? So you can work harder for him. He says he'll give seed to the sower. He said he will help you go out and work to fulfill the great commission. He does not promise us the American dream and wealth. The majority of the wealthy do not serve God. They serve themselves. Their entire reward is here and now.
youth don't even try that on Wednesday nights normally. <laughs> what about Paul? Paul goes through and writes a huge chunk of the New Testament. He talks about how the church is supposed to run. He talks about the different roles that we play in Christian living. What does Paul have? Paul has beatings, shipwrecks, gets stoned, flogged, imprisoned, eventually beheaded. But in Philippians 4.11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So I'm going to ask you today, based on whatever's going on in your life, from a material possession, are you content? Or are you chasing things that we have as Christians no business in chasing? We'll move on from material possessions. God's provision can be protection. Now, when we talk about provision, provision is to supply with needed materials such as food, to supply with provisions in general, the fact or state of being prepared beforehand. God knows your needs well before you know them. He knows the timing that you should receive them in. He knows when your heart is ready for blessings. And we need to trust him with that. How many of us have had more than our share of blessings in life? Right? The simple fact that we get to make choices about what we eat, what we drink, shows that. but it's not just material, there is protection. I'll share what happened to our family in August. Um, most of you know uh, Casey and a few of our kids were in a car accident. And I wanted to share this as a testimony because I didn't necessarily want people to be like, oh, are you okay, oh, you're okay? Casey and I, if you know us well, we actually are not super comfortable with having a lot of conversations, but I wanted you to, sh like, to know how much God provides his protection to us. So we were leaving church uh, the beginning of August. We were in two separate cars. I just, uh, Casey had just gotten back from a trip to see her parents down in Jersey. And the kids that were with her, two of them specifically, <clears throat> were terrible. So we go to leave church after church, and two of our daughters, I say, hey, you guys are coming with me. They get in my car with the intent of having a conversation as dads are wont to do with their misbehaving children. One of which, Willow, is notoriously bad for not wearing a seatbelt. In fact, 50% of our car rides prior to this accident were probably spent telling her to put her seatbelt on and her telling us she was trying and couldn't and giving us every excuse under the sun. So we leave. We're heading home. We go through an intersection. Casey's at full speed. There's a crossroad, two stop signs. The girl traveling across the stop road, or across the crossroad does not stop and takes the front end of Casey's car clean off. Tenth of a second faster in the intersection, 
hits a different part of the car other than a few bumps or bruises, praise God, they're all fine. Yeah, I can clap for that. But the devil loves to steal God's thunder. So the anxiety starts to kick in. And I say, well, what if Willow was in the car? What if it was a truck and not a sedan that hit her? What if she was going just a little faster, the other car was going a little bit faster? What if it hit the side instead of the front? What if they rolled? What if, and the anxiety goes, and the anxiety goes. And God convicted me, and he said, am I the God of what ifs? He said, I am. Willow was in my car. She wasn't in Casey's car. Shouldn't have been in my car. She would have typically rode home with Casey. Casey was driving the exact speed that she was driving. The other lady was driving the exact speed she was driving. The car hit exactly where it was supposed to hit. God is our provision. God is our protection. How many of us have had similar scenarios where it could have been, but it wasn't? Because God is good. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Casey and I had had plenty of conversations where we said, hey, how many more miles, years, et cetera, do you think we can get out of our old van? The used car market is not great. The interest rates are not great. First car we test drove is sitting out in the parking lot, and God provided a way. He hears our needs. He knows what we need. Now, I'm not saying the guy got us in a car accident to give us a vehicle, Kind of worked out that way, but whatever, you know, we'll just kind of roll with it, right? <laughs> but it's not lucky, right? It's not chance. He's not Jehovah Luck. He's Jehovah Jireh. And he provides, and you'll see it on the mountain when you look backwards. I can't tell you how many different scenarios through the course of my life where I've looked backwards and seen God's provision, protection-wise, material-wise. How many of us as Christians can sit here and say, I was worried about this bill, but all of a sudden some money that I wasn't expecting came in. God supplies our needs. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes the car crash has to still happen. Sometimes the doctor's appointment still has to happen. Sometimes the loss of employment still has to happen. Sometimes the economy still has to go down for God to show up and show how he provides for us. Why does he provide his blessings to us? One, he loves us, but two, it's for his glory. And that's why I shared that story, and that's why we posted on social media, because that is God. God gets the glory for our provision. Joseph, 
had to be sold into slavery and imprisoned to be the second in command of all of Egypt. The Israelites delivered through plagues and have to walk through the literal parted Red Sea for God to deliver them from the Egyptians. Samuel, David has to face Goliath. He has to fight for God to get the glory and to see Israel delivered. Daniel has to go into the lion's den for God to get the glory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I can go on and on, guys, all day long. Provision doesn't mean ease. The church in America is weak because we don't want to fight for the inheritance that God has given us. We want it to be provided to us while we sit in the comfort of our homes on our couches watching our big screen TVs, having air conditioning going on. We don't want to go out. We don't want to go and share the gospel. We don't want to get uncomfortable. You have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes for God to put you in the place he wants you to. All those stories, what is the common thread? Obedience. Unrelenting obedience. God, I don't understand. I don't like it. But I trust that somehow, some way, someday I'm going to understand. And maybe it's when I'm in heaven and I say, hey, God, that whole stretch of life, what was that about? I don't understand any of that. That can be a week, that can be a month, that can be years, that can be decades. And then he shows you. Sometimes we get those glimpses now and here where we look back and we say, God, I didn't understand it in the moment. It really, really stunk. But I see it now on the other side. We're going to go back to Abraham and Isaac since, you know, we talked about Abraham and Isaac like 20 minutes ago. Abraham's obedience shows his complete devotion and reliance on God. In that moment, the solution for Abraham's pain and anguish is provided by God. So we go back to the concept of taking your one and only son, your inheritance, your promise. And he didn't, this wasn't like a one or two minute conversation, right? It wasn't like God's like, do this. And Abraham's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then God's like, wait, stop. I'm just kidding, right? If you go back to the verse, he packs, he journeys, he splits wood, he climbs a mountain, he builds an altar. We're talking about a trip, a full-on camping trip. I hate camping. (laughs) It is way more work than it's relaxing. Once again, weak, doesn't want to do the work, right? But imagine Abraham... Walking. Isaac's next to him. God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. Why? You promised me. You promised me. You promised me. You promised me. I don't understand. I'm doing it, but I'm not doing it gratefully. I'm doing it because you told me and I'm obedient to you, but I don't understand. Where is your provision in this? Where is the inheritance you promised me? Where is the future of the nation of Israel? Why am I going to have to sacrifice my own son to you when you gave me this? Late in life, 
I could have been okay if you would just let me not have kids and said, oops, I must have misheard you. But you gave it to me, and I believed, and I've watched him grow. And now I'm walking, and I'm traveling, and I don't like it. God's promises do not return void. But it doesn't mean it's easy. The depiction of of this whole story should ring true as an example of what God did with Jesus Christ. A sacrifice was needed. There was only one son. There was only one provision for us. Just one. And the pain that I can imagine that Abraham faced, I cannot imagine what God felt needing to send his one son to save his creation who he loved. And if that doesn't make you even more grateful for your salvation when you frame it that way and you think about your loved ones and having to give them up to save someone else, it should. It's about obedience. So Abraham walks on this journey. How about Isaac's obedience? Imagine raising your child to fear the Lord so much that you're like, hey, you're going to be the sacrifice. And Isaac gets up on the altar. Isaac, assumably, at this point in time, has been told, hey, God has promised us to be like the stars in the sky. And Isaac's like, haven't gone on my first date yet, Dad. What's going on? And Abraham's like, God will provide. But for now, you're going up there. And Isaac does it. As we see, we get to the point where the knife's about to drop. It reminds us that God's timing for his provision is perfect. He stops him and says, hold on, do not harm your son. That ram was already there. It doesn't say a ram ran into the thicket, knocked himself out on the altar, and then Abraham just was like, switcheroo. The ram's there. God positioned the provision long before the journey was done. His timing is perfect. So if we sit here and we say tonight, I have needs that I don't feel are being met. I have problems that I can't seem to get around. God, where are you? Where is your provision? His timing is perfect. Our obedience or lack thereof impacts our blessings and his provision. What if Abraham says no? What if Isaac says no? 
Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. God's protection and provision is to show glory to him. His material provisions is so that we can continue the work of Jesus in the world around us that's lost and broken and hurting. He says he'll give us everything we need and then some. But we have to be obedient to the calls that he's placed upon our lives. So if you're lacking provision, I'll ask you, where is your obedience? Where is your call? What are you doing with what he has given you with your talents and your gifts and your spiritual giftings? Are we sitting on them? Saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. But we sit on them. Whole lot of faith in there, guys. Sometimes we have to do all that step out. We have to get up. We have to move. We have to say, okay, God, you've given me this. I'm doing this in faith because you promised it and your promises don't return void but I have to take the steps and I have to do the work. Abraham lost a little faith before Isaac. Abraham and Sarah were like, mm, God promised us this, but we don't see it happening. So Sarah makes a decision with Abraham for her servant to have Abraham's son. And we have Ishmael. Who's Ishmael? He's the father of all the nations that have plagued Israel for thousands of years. Abraham loses faith in the moment, steps out on his own, does the wrong work, ends up causing headaches for generations and generations and generations. Be faithful for his timing. Be faithful that he will do what he has promised in your lives, whatever that is. Stand firm on the, all the blessing, or promises rather, that he has given you, knowing that the blessing is coming. <clears throat> I truly believe that sometimes it's God's divine protection that he withholds certain things from us that we want. Out of our lack and out of our desperation, we are often forced to seek God at times where we otherwise wouldn't. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Don't lose focus. Don't let the rumors of what's going on in the world around us, the world economy, don't let that inhibit what God has called you to do. Don't let the fear and anxiety that comes from thinking about the current administrations and the politics and wars and rumors of wars, Guys, we know the book ends with Jesus victorious, right? Amen. So why are we afraid? 
Why do we let all these different things rob our focus? Oh, you got to prep or you got to save this or you got to buy extra pasta, right? Like, <laughs> why are we losing focus? Why are we so, so unfocused? Because the church in America has gotten lazy and has allowed compromise and sin to take residence. What is God's ultimate provision? Salvation, eternity. When we look at this picture of Abraham and Isaac, we see the one and only son, we see the sacrifice. Let all else fall to dust. But God has all the glory. He has provided a way for us to have hope, to have healing, to have restoration to have provision because he loves you, because he loved us enough to give us his one and only son. He loved us enough to provide a way out when there shouldn't have been a way out. Just examine your hearts for a minute and think of what you thought today and there shouldn't have been a way out. But God saw the creation that he loves and said, I'm not going to leave you to your own. It is his ultimate provision. If nothing else goes right in your life, based on how you view yourself against the world, rest peacefully knowing that he loved you enough to do that and share that with those around you. We don't talk about our faith anymore. We don't walk around confident that Jesus is such an amazing gift to us that we want to tell everybody. We sit back knowing that we'll end up in heaven and we focus on all the same stuff. How do we differentiate ourselves from the world? It's the joy of the Lord. It's our strength. And it's the word of our testimony shared to all people about how God has blessed us and provided for us or just simply saved and healed the mess that we were in. We're set apart. Share the love of Christ to others. Share the testimonies. Share the hard testimonies. Share the ones that there might be a little bit of guilt that the devil's still trying to throw in your way and a little bit of shame. And you're like, hey, you know what? God delivered me. That's who I was. It's not who I am. It's not who I'm going to be. Don't hide that. Because what if the person that you're in front of is struggling with the same stuff today that God delivered you from a month ago? Don't put your light underneath a bushel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for blessing us far beyond what we deserve. Lord, let us remember and take to heart that the things that you give us are not for us to sit on, but for us to share, to give you glory, to give testimony to your goodness, to give testimony to your love for us. Lord, help us to constantly focus our attention to the cross, to the redemption of sins. And Lord, bring people in our lives who we can share all that you've done in our lives with on a daily basis. 
And Lord, give us the strength to share, to give testimony to your goodness and your greatness because you are good and you love us. And Lord, we thank you for your salvation, for your way out. Father, let us never grow weary in the well-doing that comes from you. We praise you, Father, in your name. Amen.